Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. You've been searching in the dark, your sweat soaking through the floor. Welcome on in to the Rally Possum Podcast, episode number two. Your host, Mike, coming at you live here on a Wednesday night. I am joined by my co-host, Andy, what's up? Mike, what is up? Welcome back to everybody in our listening audience. Welcome to episode two of the Rally Possum podcast here for Cleveland sports fans. Just wanted to thank everybody so far for the support. Mike, we've, we've got a lot of good feedback on the first podcast, and we've been gaining some followers on Twitter and Spotify. So for those yeah, of yeah. you who follow us on Twitter, Rally Possum Pod. That's right. Rally, Rally Possum Pod. That's right. If, if you do not follow us, follow us at Rally Possum Pod on Twitter. You can subscribe to us on Spotify by searching Rally Possum Pod and spread the word. Spread the word to your friends. Spread the word to people you know who are Cleveland sports fans. We're trying to grow this podcast and we will continue to put out weekly podcasts every Wednesday night. So, Mike, what do we have in store tonight on the agenda? Well, Andy, what we're going to do tonight, let's go over. Both of our thoughts, obviously, on the hiring of Freddie Kitchens as we went over the coaching search last week. Um, talk about some of the highlights of his press conference, the direction of the team. Really what I'd like to do as well is discuss the really, really impressive staff that he's putting together. And then we'll continue our position-by-position position breakdown as tonight's so we're going to go over quarterbacks and offensive line. And then uh, maybe if we have time, we'll throw in an extra mock draft and uh, a few other things. Yeah, sounds good to me. So, Well, Andy, I have a quick question for you before we jump into this. What's that, Mike? Um, are you wearing brown and orange right now? Mike, if you're not wearing brown and orange, you don't matter. Well, Andy, I am wearing brown and orange. Are you? You didn't answer the question. I am, absolutely. In honor of Freddie Kitchens. I do feel a little bit odd what asking another man what he's wearing, but... I also got my uh, I got my Baker Mayfield underwear on as well. Okay, TMI. But all right, let's jump into the uh, the Freddie Kitchens hiring, Andy. I mean, you uh, you actually called this right from the get go. I have to give you your props. I was not a believer. I thought Dorsey was going to go in a direction where he was going to try and get somebody who's been a head coach before, try and package him with Freddie Kitchens as the OC. But Andy, you pegged it from day one. Freddie Kitchens, coach. How do you feel about it? I'm happy about it, Mike, and I'm excited. Uh, you know, I think that one of the reasons he was hired was because there weren't really a ton of other big name candidates out there. And as we talked about last podcast, I think that Freddie Kitchens really fit everything that John Dorsey was looking for in a head coach. He wanted a guy with good character. He wanted a guy that could, could lead men and a guy that was a, a young offensive coach and Freddie Kitchens fit the bill for all three of those things. So I'm really excited going forward with him as a head coach. And he really put together a nice staff as well. Which... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And really the one thing that I really, really find very endearing about Freddie Kitchens is the fact that I think he's just a genuine, genuine guy. I mean, he's he's a regular guy who was a head coach in the NFL. And he doesn't seem to bother him, doesn't seem to make him nervous at all. He doesn't care. All he cares about is A, winning, and B, forming good relationships with people and it's so important and it's actually very refreshing to see because you know and we talked about it after the freddie kitchens press conference 
just the me, 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 me attitude of Hugh Jackson constantly. I mean, Freddie Kitchens wasn't somebody that's going to say, oh, hire me. And he, and he mentioned in the press conference, he's not going to self-promote. And I like that about him. Absolutely. And obviously we know Freddie is a, he's a Southern boy from Alabama, Mike. And he is by no means a wordsmith at all. I mean, I think at one point during the press conference, he called D Haslam, Mr. D, which was pretty funny, but it Mr. was just Jimmy and Miss D and Miss D. I love it. It was, it was very real. It wasn't polished. I mean, if you go back and listen to old Hugh Jackson's press conferences, he was a good speaker, but that's, that's about it. He was very self-promoting. Uh, Freddie was real and he was sincere and there was no BS. I think with what you see with Freddie is what you're going to get. And he's humble. He's driven. Uh, he had one quote that I really liked in the press conference where he said, he said, I'm not a finished product. I'm never going to be a finished product. And if I ever have that mindset, it's time to retire. And he said, I expect the same from my players. We're going to work on getting a little bit better each and every day. And at the end of the year, we're going to pick our head up and see where we're at. And I, I love that mindset that he brings to the table. Absolutely. And I think Baker has that mindset to some, in some way, shape, or form. It, it, if memory serves me right, I think he actually brought something like that up during the season. But another big name who has that mindset is Tom Brady. I mean, he's got a ginormous chip on his shoulder still to this day as the Patriots are going into their eighth AFC championship in a row. Unbelievable. And so does Bill Belichick as a head coach. I mean, I think at one point after the Patriots had just won the Super Bowl, uh, someone had asked him for his reaction. He said, well, we're uh, – we're getting off to a late start for next season. So, I mean, it, it is always yeah. just about getting better, working hard, never being satisfied. And I agree with you. Baker definitely has that mindset. I mean, Baker has never been given anything his entire life. He's had to earn everything. He was, he was a walk-on in college at two different schools, Mike. So really a good combination with those two, I yeah. believe. And same with Freddie. I mean, with the comment of saying, you know, he wasn't handed anything in life, and he's had to run fast his entire life. Although it doesn't even doesn't really look like he can run fast physically. But we got to get his forty time. Actually, there there was a YouTube clip when he was on the Cardinals of him running the forty. It was actually uh, pretty, pretty humorous. But uh, even when uh, he played in college, he was a thick quarterback. Well, that, Have you that seen was pictures his, of him. I did. That was actually his nickname, thick. Yeah, I can see why he was his, a big boy. Uh, his coach Gene Stallings. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, but he's a he's a heck of a guy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And the thing, one of the things I really, really like is that he gets Cleveland. I mean, he, you, I guarantee the Browns PR department told, I was like, Freddie, wear a suit here, borrow this tie from Jimmy Haslam and put it on because you can't wear the dog pound hoodie to the press conference. I, I, was, I was hoping for it. it. I guarantee it. But he put, he wore the hat on, he kept the hat on. I'm sure they didn't like it, but. That's the type of guy he is. I mean, I, I love it. What you see is what you're going to get from Freddie Kitchens. And he's a straight shooter. He doesn't BS. The, that's great for the locker room. I mean, the players obviously love him. And, Mike, you, you also said it. He's, he's all about winning. That's something else he said in the press conference. He said multiple times that he, he was upset and he didn't like the mindset that the fans had were they were satisfied with a seven, eight, and one record. And I mean, I obviously as Cleveland fans, we've had so much losing over the past two to three seasons. We're going to get excited. He was not with the franchise before this past year. So a seven, eight, one record, he said, you know, that he, he's not happy with it. 
His goal is to win a Super Bowl. And that's refreshing. Well, the Super Bowl term has not been mentioned in Berea in a very long time. So it's very refreshing to hear, buddy boy. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? The Browns, 30 to 1 odds. That's the highest odds they've ever had, and the season isn't even even over yet. They haven't added free agency or draft. Yeah. So, same it, odds as the Houston Texans. Very exciting time. Same odds as the Houston Texans. Very very interesting to see. But I mean, it just goes to show that how one player can be the lightning rod for a whole city. I mean, obviously that's Baker, and we're going to get into Baker a lot more later on as we are going over QBs tonight. But man. Freddie Kitchens fell into the perfect situation. I mean, he is going to grow with these guys, form great relationships with them. I mean, it, I, I don't know if you saw this. There was uh, something Freddie was saying about how he's going to get to know Miles Garrett better. He's like, well, I kicked his ass in pool, and uh, <laughs> and I know he's a nice guy, so I'm looking forward to beating his ass in pool some more. I love it. I love it. All the players seem to really like him, so – it was a great fit. I mean, are you happy with him calling plays? Yes, I, I am happy with that. That was one of the concerns that I had, especially with them bringing Monken aboard, because, you know, obviously this was a guy that interviewed for some head coaching jobs, you know, one of the most successful offensive coordinators in the league last year. So I was a little bit nervous. I was like, okay, well, maybe the Browns are saying, hey, you got to get somebody with some experience, make your job easier, but he's going to retain calling plays. Yeah, I was happy with that too. And me and you had kind of talked about that when we heard that Munkin was hired because he was such a, a, a high, highly sought out candidate for the job. But I mean, Freddie Calm plays, and we touched on this last week. With with Freddie, Baker had a five and three record. He had a sixty-eight point four percent completion percentage, passed for over two thousand yards, nineteen touchdowns. And the Browns in the red zone with Freddie. They were ridiculous in the red zone, Mike. They scored on 72.9% of drives in the red zone. So, I mean, I think part of, the reason, part of the reason you kept Freddie is because of his play calling. Uh, it obviously helps to have a good, experienced offensive coordinator on board, but I was pretty happy that they are letting Freddie stick to the play calls. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust and evolve the offense going forward. Obviously, there's a lot of good minds, in the, in the building now. So I'm sure they'll be bouncing ideas off each other. You know, maybe Freddie will bring back more of the wishbone in 2019. But one, one thing to, to watch, I don't know if you, you paid attention to this, Andy, but uh, Freddie, some of their sets that they had and some of the big play sets that they had were with three tight ends on the field. Mm -hmm. So if Baker was really getting protected. And then some of those, he hit the long passes. You know, a couple to Jarvis, Perryman. So it's interesting to see how Freddie's kind of mixing it up and doing different things than you see. I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, they line them up, spread them out, and let Mahomes go to town and get out of the pocket. I mean, he's the most dangerous passer out of the pocket in the league. But And, and Freddie's not afraid to call those plays, and obviously Baker's not afraid to make those those plays, where is in the past, you know, even with, with Tyrod, which we'll get into him later too, you never saw him throw the ball downfield, hardly ever. Who? You know, it was always <laughs> Tyrod. Who was that? He's the uh, forgotten quarterback on the Cleveland oh, Browns. Oh, that's right. He played two and a half games in the Browns. That's right. He's Hugh's guy. <laughs> the Hugh Jackson quarterback. Thank God. Thank God he got concussed in week three. 
Well, you never, never want to, you never want to say thank God anybody got concussed, but well, I mean, it's not a serious every, injury. Everything happens for a reason. Everything. And I was at that game, and I was going crazy when Baker came in. Absolutely crazy. So, very exciting time to be a Browns fan. Um, Freddie, I think, is going to to be a great fit, and. I'm really excited to see how he gels, not only with Todd Munkin, but um, Steve Wilkes was a great hire, a defensive coordinator as well. I mean, they, they put together a really good staff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's get into Freddie's staff here. So obviously we, we've talked about Todd Munkin, the new OC. I mean, I mentioned he was a head coaching candidate here, for, and he interviewed for the Jets, and I believe the Packers job. And from my understanding is he was actually uh, very impressive in interviews and he probably will be getting a head coaching job soon. Jacksonville wanted him to come to come there and call play, call plays for the Jags. But um, obviously Andy winning and quarterbacks mean everything for a resume for coaches. So obviously Munkin, like we said, spent the last three seasons as offensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Bucks. He coached wide receivers in his first two seasons 2018 helped Tampa to lead the NFL in passing offense and finished third in the league in total offense. And the Bucks set numerous club records with their total yards passing and passing touchdowns. And under his tutelage, Mike Evans thrived as he earned two Pro Bowl appearances and topped 1,000 yards in all three of his seasons. Yeah, and I give Todd Munkin a lot of credit, too, because Tampa flip-flopped quarterbacks how many times this year between, you know, Ryan Fitzmagic and famous Jameis Winston. It, they, they switched like three or four times. So right. both those guys under Todd Munkin had career highs in completion percentage and QB uh, passer rating. Um, also, like, like you said, he was in 2018. I mean, Tampa was a dynamic offense, really. They were – First in the league in passing with 320.3 yards a game. Third in the league in total offense. They had 415.5 total yards a game. And that was really with a crappy running game. I mean, their running game was ranked 29th in the league. They had um, Ronald Jones, who was a rookie. He only averaged 1.9 yards a carry, and he had hands made of stone. He couldn't catch the ball. And then Peyton Barber was only 3.7 yards a carry. So what he did with that offense was impressive. And I think that he's going to really gel well with Freddie because he is another guy that's an aggressive play caller who likes to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, absolutely. That's I love the aggressiveness. I've heard people rave about his vertical route play calling. And you want to know something crazy, Andy? Ryan Fitzpatrick had a perfect 158.3 quarterback rating on first down, on every first down. That's impressive. Average throughout the season. Very impressive. It's crazy. And he's been in the league. It's not like he's, you know, a right. young guy. He's been in the right. league for a yeah, long he's time. So what, 36 years old. Yeah. Maybe he'll uh, go be the quarterback of the Broncos or something next year. We'll see. I mean, maybe if the Browns are looking for a new backup, you think he would come back up uh, hmm. Baker with the that's, Todd Munkin connection? That's interesting. That, that's actually very interesting. I'm, I'm just assuming – Fitzmagic probably wants to try and play a little bit more. He's shown that he can. But 
I don't know. That's uh, that's a good thought. Another interesting note here on Todd Munkin. He has some familiarity with the AFC North. I mean, not much, but the Buccaneers played the AFC North this year. So he averaged over 400 yards total offense against the AFC North, which is pretty impressive. And um, not that he has a ton of experience, but coming to an AFC North team, that's, that's nice to see. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Get a little bit of experience, get your feet wet in the AFC North and see what he's getting into. Hopefully he can take some of the things that he's learned and apply it through the eight games this year when the Browns go against the Steelers, Bengals, and the Ravens. Um, let's move on to Steve Wilkes, the uh, defensive coordinator. Andy, I know you were pumped up about uh, the Browns getting Wilkes. I was. I tweeted out uh, earlier in the week that Wilkes was was one of my main guys for defensive coordinator. And mostly it was because that he ran an aggressive 4-3 defense, which is very similar to Greg Williams. So uh, I think that was a great hire. I think he got a really raw deal, Mike, in Arizona this past year. I mean, he had a, a crap team. And he only got one season and he was a hot candidate the year before. So very happy with the hire. It allows Freddie kitchens to just do his thing, be the head coach, not really have to worry much about the defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously the guy's a very experienced defensive play caller. I mean, he's enters his 25th year as a coach, his 14th season in the NFL. He's helped been to the Super Bowl twice. Obviously, like we said, he was a, head coach obviously the Cardinals thought enough of him to make him the head coach last year after spending six seasons 2012 to 2017 with the Carolina Panthers he served as their defensive backs coach so he's got a DB mindset the first five seasons and he was the defensive coordinator in 2017 so the Panthers during his tenure finished in the top 10 in total defense five of the six seasons with the team with him as defensive coordinator, the club went from 21st in 2016 to 7th in 2017. Carolina finished also among the league leaders in sacks with 50 and run defense at 88.1. They were the only NFL team in 2017 to not allow a 100-yard rusher in a game. That is exactly what the Browns need because the Browns' run defense this year was Terrible. Horrible. Terrible. Absolutely horrible. And that's something that they're going to definitely address in free agency and in the draft. But, Mike, you think that Greg Williams was an aggressive play caller and liked to blitz? Listen to these numbers here. In 2017, when Steve Wilkes was the, the D.C. for the Panthers, the Panthers blitzed on 43% of their defensive snaps and 50% of the time on third down where the league average was only 35.5%. So this guy, he likes to get after the quarterback, which I love. Um, that, that's going to be great for the Browns' defense. He does run, I think, a zone in the secondary. He's not man press coverage like Greg Williams was. But that I'm not overly concerned about that. I think that Denzel Ward and the other guys that we got back there are going to be just fine in his system and under his tutelage. Well, I mean, they can also change things up a little bit. Obviously, he comes from, like I said, a DB background. So it will all fit together. Hopefully, it doesn't take the Browns' defense a long time to adjust to his system, and they can just get comfortable quickly and just play and not think. And, Mike, maybe his most impressive stat, like you said, he has a DB background. 
So when he took over in 2017, the team had just lost one of their best defensive players because Josh Norman left to go to, what was it, the Redskins, I believe. So they didn't really have much experience in the secondary there, but they still posted some impressive numbers that year. So that's pretty promising. That shows that that guy can coach and he can develop young talent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. And obviously, I think they, they changed last year's systems in Arizona from a 3-4 to his 4-3. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, they switched it up. And he still had like the 18th most efficient defense yeah. after the change. DVOA, yeah. Um, what was it, like 8th or 7th or 8th or something when he was in Carolina for that year? 7th, yeah. So pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely really, really like the hire and – uh, some of the assistants that Freddie's bringing on too were very impressive. We have Stump Mitchell. I mean, his beard is legendary, by the way. Uh, it is. I saw a picture it, of him. If you haven't seen it, just Google image Stump Mitchell. I mean, legendary beard. So he comes to the Browns after being the running backs coach for the Jets. He's the Browns' new running backs coach. He was actually an NFL running back in the NFL for nine seasons and he's nine seasons and he's coached in the NFL for 16. So he's got a lot of experience coaching running backs. Some of no Ricky waters, Sean Alexander, Clinton Portis, your boy, Andy, David Johnson. So he's got a lot of experience and I really, really expect Nick Chubb to uh, have a huge year next year. Yeah. Those are some big name players in he was David Johnson's coach in 2016. Was That was the year David had, I think, like 20 total touchdowns, 16 rushing, four receiving. He rushed for 1,200 yards, and he had like 900 yards receiving almost. So uh, very impressive. And every single player that he's coached there has went on to have a pretty good career. So uh, great hire. Obviously, I think he probably had some connection with Freddie Kitchens from his time in Arizona. Um, good to see just another talented experienced coach in the coaching staff yeah absolutely and another one that I really like is the new offensive line coach although it's it pains me that Bob Wiley is gone but hey, Bob rest in peace I think James Campen from Green Bay is a fantastic coach so last year in Green Bay he was their uh, O-line coach and run game coordinator but he's been their O-line coach since 2007. He actually played for the Green Bay Packers for a few seasons as well. So in nine of Campen's 11 seasons as offensive line coach, the Packers ranked top 10 in the league in scoring and finished in the top 10 in total offense in eight of those 11 seasons. Campen also helped six Packers offensive linemen earn Pro Bowl recognition since 2010 and Andy, that was the only team in the league to have six different members of their offensive line selected to the Pro Bowl during that span. And that's the most impressive thing to me is to see how the, all those Pro Bowlers that he's produced. Development. Phenomenal. Because we got a lot of young guys that are going to need some coaching. Desmond and overall, Harris. he's walking into a good situation. The Browns' offensive line really stepped it up, and we're going to get into that later on in the show, but – I think pro football focus ranked them number two in the league this year. So he's stepping into a good situation. He has some young guys that he can work with. And I fully expect the Browns O-line to continue to improve. Absolutely. I mean, the Browns interior of their line was fantastic this year. And we'll get into that in a bit. Um, one huge hire that 
maybe going overlooked a little bit is the hiring of a new special teams coordinator because famous Amos Jones, he gone. He was horrible as the Browns offensive coordinator. And the Browns ranked dead freaking last in the league in special teams. Hiring Mike Prefer from the Vikings. He's been their special teams coach for, I think, believe the past eight years. They had the fourth-ranked special teams last year. So, I mean, even if the Browns can have a market improvement, let's say to the top half of the league, the Browns, with a better special teams, probably would have won 10 games this year. The special teams this year was painful to watch. It was absolutely horrendous. And I love this hire. He's a Cleveland guy. So that's why I think he turned down a lot of these other opportunities that he had to come here, come home to uh, coach in Cleveland. And Mike Another thing that is, is really telling is that the Vikings really trusted this guy. Back in 2016, their head coach, Mike Zimmer, he missed a game because I think he had like emergency eye surgery. Do you remember yes. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the head coach during that time was Mike Freifer, and he was a special teams guy. So that shows that he, he has experience. He knows what he's doing. He's well-respected, and – we really needed this. I mean, the special teams could not have gotten any worse. It was dead last in the league. So huge hire. Yeah, absolutely. And word has it is that he's really good at helping kickers. So I hope if the Browns decide to keep Greg Joseph or bring somebody else in, hopefully he's developed even further. Because he didn't actually do too bad when they brought him in. I know he had a couple misses, but as a rookie, I don't think he did too bad. Obviously better than... Zane Gonzalez. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I don't know. I still don't trust him. I, I'd prefer to get a new kicker, but we'll see. I think we have two or three seventh-round picks this year, so I'd like to use one of those on a kicker. little kicking competition? little kickoff. Kickoff. Well, we shall see what the doors decides to do. Well, Andy, got Maybe. anything else on the coaching Maybe Cody, staff? Cody Parkey. We can get him. I'm an uh, – hard pass on that did you see there was some competition in chicago yeah that was awesome with the brewing company and if you could kick what was it like a 43 yard field goal yeah the, the exact field goal the parky missed they'd give you free beer for a year well he, parky actually yes it was missed but uh the eagles got a finger on it that's what yeah that's what they say it didn't look like it affected it that much but it must have just kind of glazed uh, the top yeah. of the ball there, but yeah, really, I don't think anybody hit that field goal. I mean, a 43-yard field goal is, is no joke. I know we get mad at the kickers when they miss them, but they're professional athletes. But um, I think they said over 100 people tried and nobody got free beer. Well, I watched some of it, and people were sliding all over their asses and slipping. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, not, nobody came even close. But, yeah, overall, great staff. I think that it, it's telling – that people want to come here and they want to be part of this because Cleveland's a young up and coming team. They have talented young players. They have tons of cap space. They still have a lot of draft picks this year. So I, Mike, I can't wait for 2019. Honestly, it's, it's going to be a long winter. Yeah, I agree. But let's hope that Dorsey and the squad picks up some good players and keeps the excitement train moving positively forward throughout the off season. Well, Andy, let's get into our position focus of the week, which is quarterbacks and offensive line. 
And Andy, I know you probably have a lot to say about Baker Mayfield because you've been gushing about Baker Mayfield for uh, weeks on end, as everybody else has around town. Uh, and congratulations to Baker for earning the Pro Football Writers of America Rookie of the Year Award this week as well. That is awesome. Congrats. Now, that's not – what is the official one? The AP, AP Rookie the of the Award? One. That, and that okay. is re- really revealed before the Super Bowl. I still expect him to win that as well. Well, I, I saw in that uh, – in the Pro Football Writers, they named Saquon Barkley Offensive Rookie of the Year and Baker actually Rookie of the Year, which I think is fair. Fair enough. Saquon had a phenomenal season. If he ends up being the rookie of the year, I mean, it's it's, I wouldn't be, I'd be pissed just because I love Baker, but hey, um, well, give Baker another chip on his shoulder. He doesn't. That's right. Maybe you know? maybe Baker shouldn't win rookie of the year. Let him get all pissed off. Get him pissed off. Give him some motivation. And let him stare down Saquon if they ever play the Giants. <laughs> I'll take it. And Pat Shermer. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Good old Peppermint Patty. Um. Well, Andy, I, let's play a little game here. Guess, guess, these, guess these stats. So who is, it, who is this that I'm referring to? This rookie quarterback had 3,763 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, a 71 quarterback rating, and a 56% completion percentage. Who was that rookie? It's either going to have to be Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson because of the 26 touchdowns, but I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. No. Really? Would you like to guess one more? I don't know. It's not Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had like 4,000 yards, I think. Peyton Manning. Okay. If I gave you the interception number, it would have given it away. But those, that was Peyton Manning's rookie season. He played all 16 games. Baker in 13 and a half games, 3,725 yards, 27 touchdowns, a 95 quarterback rating, 64.6 completion percentage so nine points higher than Peyton's but the Browns were also number two in drop percentage I mean that could have been easily 68 to 70 percent and that's a Hall of Fame quarterback I mean, so that's what what did Drew uh, what did Drew Brees completion percentage this year I was well over 70 percent he set the NFL record yeah it was like what 75 was it higher than that I mean, 74 like, 75 I think so it was like 73 maybe um, but still very, very impressive. And that's obviously goes to a testament to Baker's accuracy. I mean, he has a much better arm than I thought. He's a cannon. And he puts it right on a dime. I mean, how many freaking Browns quarterbacks did we have to suffer through until we got to this guy? I mean, you remember, I just remember just Browns trying to run like a deep route towards the sideline. The, the quarterback throws it out of bounds. It's an uncatchable ball. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I saw Brady Quinn and oh my god, all oh, these terrible. guys just trying to trying to complete passes, and Baker just comes out and balls out and does it, and I love it. Just think about going from Deshaun Kaiser in 2017 to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, one. when every single trip to the red zone with Deshaun Kaiser was an interception or a fumble or some sort of freak turnover. I mean. It drove you insane. Every time you were in the red zone, you, you didn't expect to score ever. Yeah, and this, so year, it's just and this year with Baker, what, we had like a 92% rating? 
red zone touchdown rate in uh, the second half of the year? Uh, it was something. It was like in the seventies or something, I think. Okay. With Freddie, yeah, it was up there. I mean, it was high. But still impressive. Yeah, it was phenomenal. So. Yeah, and the great, great thing, obviously, you know, the players, coaches, love Baker. He's one of the the key leaders on the team. He changed so much for this franchise and the city, especially after LeBron left. I mean, people are like LeBron who, after that during Brown season. I mean, it was great. From Owen, we went from Owen sixteen to playoff contenders. So much has changed in the last year, and the one decision that brought the Browns to where they are today was when John Dorsey hit a home run drafting Baker Mayfield. He's an absolute gamer. I mean, Andy, you remember, we, we've talked about all, all those talking heads, Kuiper, McShay, Mayock. Everybody besides pro football focus didn't even rate this guy as the top quarterback in the draft. He comes to an 0-16 teams and, is, and in 13 and a half games sets the NFL rookie passing touchdown record. I mean, the guy's amazing. I am so excited for the future of his career and of Brown for Browns football. All of those guys, they're idiots. I mean, they had, I think Mel Kuyper had him ranked as like the fourth best quarterback. So shows how much Kuyper really knows. Andrew Hawkins of the Tomahawk show. Yeah. With Joe Thomas, he came out and he said, he thinks Baker is, is better than any quarterback rookie quarterback in the last 15 years. So hmm. he, he had some stat on his Twitter where Baker had 257 and a half pass yards per game, 27 total touchdowns. That was better than Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, and RG3 in their rookie years. Andrew Luck was the only one that had more um, total yards per game and, and yards per game and total yards, but he played since the first game also. Right. So. Which the Browns might have gotten an, uh, pulled out a win or two in one of those first two games had Baker been, actually been playing. I mean, the only reason it was even close with the Saints was that fourth and five play that Tyrod, some for some reason, decided to throw it as far as he could into the end zone, and somehow Callaway <laughs> that was crazy was underneath of it. In Mike speaking, going back to speaking about LeBron, this is a bold statement because LeBron obviously won us a championship, but. I truly think – I mean, Cleveland is a, is a football city, no doubt about it. I think if the Browns win, Baker is going to surpass LeBron locally. I don't think he's ever going to pass him on a national level or a worldwide level. But I think locally, if the Browns win a Super Bowl, I mean, first off, I don't even know what happened. What would This city may just implode, but – I think Baker is going to be the biggest athlete this city's ever seen if that happens. Oh, no question about it. Well, Andy, I have a question for you. What do you think Baker finished the year at in his Madden rating? That's a tough one. I haven't played Madden really in a long time, and I know they're kind of sticklers with their ratings. Um, I'm going to guess 84. Oh, good guess. 83. Okay. Tom Brady, Tom Brady is the highest, which is pro, Baker's pro football focus grade is 84.5. He was a number nine rated quarterback in the NFL. So he's got some room to improve. But, I mean, just going out there and just balling from a rookie standpoint is, is unbelievable. And I think one of the major things that 
really helped his progression was just him being able to read the defense and look off safeties and just make really good plays out of the pocket. I mean, let's face it. He doesn't look like a rookie quarterback. He has so much poise and confidence back there and he goes through his progressions. He's not afraid to throw the ball into tight windows or even to throw the ball when a guy's not open, he'll just put it where the guy needs, needs to be. I mean, look at that pass that he made to um, Jarvis Landry against the Panthers. Right. I mean, Jarvis Landry wasn't open. He threw him open. He threw, he threw the ball to a spot where he could get it. And in between two defenders, I mean, that, that pass to Nick Chubb against the Bengals, Nick Chubb wasn't open at all. He had to reach behind the guy, but he put it well, in an area. Of, that was yeah. a great play on his part, but still Baker's not afraid, not afraid to make those plays. And one thing I noticed too, Baker's throwing the ball when DBs have their backs turned. There was a few plays like that. So one that sticks out to me is there was a sideline game. I think it was against the a sideline throw. I think it was against the Bengals where Jarvis was just running straight towards the sideline and Baker threw the ball. I mean, basically within an inch of the sidelines, the Jarvis can get his feet down and it went right by the Bengals cornerback's head. And he had mm. no idea the ball was even there. I mean, he threw it with his back turned. I mean, it's just impressive the way that he anticipates the rows and how deadly accurate is. I mean, he is. I mean, it's, it's something amazing to witness. And just like Freddie, like we talked about, he's, he's hungry. He's, he's not satisfied. I mean, I know that Baker is, he's, he's cocky when he's on the field, but he's always looking to be better. He doesn't think he's a finished product. So I'm very, very excited to see what Baker can become over the next 10 to 15 years. Absolutely. Well, uh, you got anything else on your boy Baker? I mean, I'm Baker, sure we Baker, Baker for a long time, but we probably if, should move on. If you're listening, to, I love you. Uh, <laughs> we should probably move on to um, the other quarterbacks on the roster. So Tyrod Taylor. Mike, it's, uh, it's Tarod. Sorry, sorry. Thanks, thanks, Broby. Tarod in two and a half games, Andy, that he played. So he played against the Steelers, basically. So five quarters against the Steelers. Played against the Saints, and then he played two quarters against the Jets. In those two and a half games, his pro football focus rated him 47. (laughs) It's terrible. Well below average. And what blows my mind is the fact that Hugh Jackson couldn't see that Baker was head and shoulders better than this guy. Is And that's just the reason that he's no longer there. I mean, Tyrod, I just remember watching, he just was hanging on to the ball for way too long, so conservative in his in, when he actually did decide to throw the ball, taking off too soon at times, trying to avoid interceptions and turnovers, which I appreciate, but at some point, you got to just get back there and sling it and trust your receivers are going to make a play. I mean, look and, at how many times he got hit. The offensive line at the start of the season, part of it, I think, was because they weren't as disciplined. But like you said, Tyrod hung onto the ball for so long. The offensive line looked terrible to start the season. Right. Well, I mean, Andy, he took 13 sacks in 11 quarters that he played. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Ridiculous. So here, here's a question for you. Obviously, he's not coming back to the Browns next year. Is he a starter for another team? This is a hard one to answer. And I was, I went through, I was looking at some teams that may or may not need a quarterback. And, and here's the list of them that I have. So 
The Dolphins, possibly, maybe in the market for new quarterback, unless they want to stick with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I heard rumors that he may be going to Cincinnati. I don't know how true or untrue those are. Jaguars need a quarterback, but every mock draft that I've seen so far has them taking one in the first round. Yep. Broncos, I, I think I'd probably just stick with Case Keenum over Tyrod Taylor for now, unless they – I don't know what their plans are for quarterback. The Giants are going to draft a quarterback. Mike, the one team that stands out to me is a, is a possibility. Dolphins? Is, is maybe – the Dolphins are one. Maybe – what about the Redskins? Alex, Alex Smith may never play again, and he's definitely not going to be ready for the start of the season. I mean, his, his leg snapped in half right. um, during that hit. So possibly – I mean, he did take a team to the playoffs – but it, it would just be a long-term answer if he started for a team. It would just be a team that needed a quarterback that's looking for their franchise quarterback. Right. And I, You're right, Andy. Actually, I think the Redskins would be a, a good fit for Tarad because they can just continue to maintain their media, be in mediocrity and not draft a franchise quarterback. <laughs> that's what they do best. I don't know why they uh, refuse to pay Kirk Cousins, but you know he's slightly above average. But I mean, just just looking at, at Tyrod's stats, I mean, you know, I I hate to admit it, but going into the season, I was excited when the Browns got Tyrod Taylor. I mean, not that I hate to admit it because he's a decent player, but just going from what we had in fifteen, well, fourteen starts, fifteen games last year for the Bills. He threw for 2,800 yards, 14 touchdowns, and four picks. I mean, Andy, to me, after going through years of Deshaun Kaiser and whoever the heck else the Browns have trotted out there year after year after year, those stats looked amazing. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's got a quarterback rating in the low 80s. This is amazing. Yeah, I don't think you were alone. But that was strictly because, like you said, we were just used to absolute garbage. So – Terod's not a terrible quarterback. I mean, he took the Bills to the playoffs. He's had some decent years. He's a very mobile quarterback, but he's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a Baker Mayfield. No. And Hugh Jackson, I, I just I don't understand that he couldn't see it. I mean, he was with these guys every single day. How could he not see the, the, what he had in Baker? Well, Especially when he's the self-proclaimed quarterback whisperer. Right. I mean, what? Well, I mean – when Hugh Jackson said the ground shook beneath my feet when I, after RG three worked out, that tells you all you need to know. We should have known. He also said, trust me on Cody Kessler. That's all you need to know. He had those massive hands. Oh my God. Cody Kessler, him and his 15 baby carrots and his 20 mile an hour heater. Oh my God. uh, Awful. Well, let's move on to Drew Stanton and Drew Stanton was a pretty quiet guy. Obviously didn't get on the field. I really didn't even get on the field in preseason. I mean, if anything, he's the Browns' third quarterback, more of a coach and a mentor to Baker. Uh, Obviously, his relationship with Freddie Kitchens, because Freddie was, don't forget, quarterback coach in Arizona when Drew Stanton was there. And I think that's one of the major reasons he decided to come to Cleveland. Obviously, like we said, great mentor for Baker. His highlight, what's Drew Stanton's highlight of the season? Making Baker rent the RV for training camp. That was hilarious. That was awesome. He's a funny guy, and I hope they keep him as well. Oh, that's sure I think they will. He's, he's a good locker room guy. He's a good mentor. Like every young quarterback, I think, needs a good mentor. And 
I'm going to stick up a little bit, just a smidge for Deshaun Kaiser here. Obviously, he's not a good quarterback. But in, in his defense, he was in a situation where his head coach was his offensive coordinator. He didn't have a veteran quarterback on the sidelines. So after a play, after he messed up, I mean, you would just see him sitting there by himself. Every other team in the league has their, their offensive coordinator, their quarterback's coach, a veteran quarterback working with them. I mean, he was a rookie, a second round pick, never should have been starting in the NFL. Andy, can I, can I ask you a question? Did Brock Osweiler win an NFL game or two this year? He did. And the Browns cut him last year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure he could have won one or zero games last year, just as maybe a little bit better than Deshaun Kaiser. So that just goes to show, I mean, continuing how awful Hugh the Clown actually was. Well, Andy, let's move on to the offensive line. Um, We kind of mentioned it before, how many quarterback hits there were early in the season. Well, when Freddie took over, the Browns offensive line allowed only seven quarterback hits. Seven in eight games. That's unbelievable. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with Baker looking play looking DBs off, getting rid of the ball very quickly. But Andy, it's night and day. In the first eight games, the Browns gave up sixty one quarterback hits. In in the second and obviously the last eight games, the second half of the season, then we had seven quarterback hits, remember. The next closest team was the Indianapolis Colts. You want to guess how many they had? Somewhere in the 20s. 29. Yeah, that's a huge difference. We're more than three times less. I mean, that's amazing. Pro Football Focus has the Browns ranked as the number two offensive line in the NFL behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was a major, really, for me at least, coming into this season, there was a lot of questions about the offensive line. I mean, you lost Joe Thomas, who's your Hall of Fame left tackle. You brought in a ton of free agents that you weren't sure if they were going to work out or not. You, you, You drafted or you signed an undrafted rookie left tackle, who was at Desmond Harrison, I believe. Uh, Greg Robinson you brought in, who had kind of been a bust up to this point in his career. Yep. But really, it, it is it was a pleasant surprise to see how well they all blended together. Um, and it's huge going forward because I think the Browns will continue to, you know, add some pieces to the offensive line, add some depth, but – it's, I don't think there's any glaring area of concern on the offensive line, really. So that's very reassuring going forward. Yeah, I read a couple articles this week you know, where it goes over, oh, what every single team needs. And, and a lot of these articles was like, oh, the Browns need a left tackle. The Browns need a tackle. It's like, you know what? No. The Browns gave up seven quarterback hits in the last eight games of the season. Do I have any reason to think that's not going to continue? Okay, maybe they regress a little bit and give up a few more. But still, I mean, the Browns need to be able to stop the run. And in my opinion, they need defensive line help more than anything else. Their defensive line was ranked 29th in the NFL, and that's because they only had Ogunjobi 
and Miles Garrett. I mean, those two had to play so many snaps and got tired out. And I think it's telling how bad the defensive line was when Larry Ogunjobi was playing with a torn bicep. Yeah, good point. For the last three or four games of the season. So I think he's a great player, but I mean, if you have a torn bicep, I don't, I mean, right. That that's telling you don't have a lot of depth there. I think if they can add to their defensive line, Mike, they could easily become a top five defense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully Dorsey realizes that, which I'm sure he does. Oh, Dorsey. I pretty much trust Dorsey with my life at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, getting into some individual players on the offensive line, Joe Batonio, Going to the Pro Bowl, he's a second-team All-Pro. He was rated the number four guard in the NFL with a 74.5 pro football focus rating. And Andy, his Madden rating was 88, so that's pretty good. Um, Kevin Zeitler, right behind Betonio, fifth-ranked guard in the NFL, ranked 74.4. Surprised he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, he had a good year. And speaking of Zeitler, have you seen how big Zeitler's arms are, Mike? Probably as big as mine. <laughs> I know you've been working out. I know you've been hitting the gym. I'd say his arms are about as big as my legs, like my quads. That guy is – there is – for an offensive lineman, he's not just like a fat schmuck. Like, this guy is jacked. Like he's a good him. player, too. Yeah, Matt, and obviously Madden likes him a little bit more than Joe Batonio. It's got him rated at 89 to finish the season, so I'm surprised Zeitler hasn't got much love. But it obviously, think... it, it starts up front with the Browns with the two great guards and the center, J.C. Treader, fifth-ranked center in the NFL, 72.3 grade by pro football focus. He gutted the entire season just about out. He had a high ankle sprain. I mean, Andy, the guy wasn't even practicing at all in the second half of the season. Yeah. Not practicing I mean, at all and still able those, to perform at a high level. So I'm really looking forward to him being reunited with his offensive line coach from Green Bay. And that's right. Being healthy. So I expect big things from those three guys in the middle of the line. And was Batonio on Pro Football Focus's all pro team? Did he get named? Um, I, I thought I sure. heard something about that. Possibly. I, I didn't look but, at that. Yeah, those three guys are solid for sure. And they're going to be major parts of our team going forward. Yeah. Well, and going out to the tackles, right tackle Chris Hubbard, 64.1 grade by pro football focus. So that's an above average grade. Um, I think that he has room to improve. But obviously in the second half of the season, he stepped it up along with the rest of the offensive line when the offense – Change it over. And Desmond Harrison, he was the – was he undrafted this year? Yeah, he was an undrafted free agent signed by Dorsey, yeah. So I think Joe Thomas was actually pretty high on Desmond Harrison. Um, that could just be him hyping him up because he's a Browns player and he's a left tackle. He showed some signs of being really good, but he, there's a lot of room for improvement there. And I think that with our new offensive line coach, he's really going to benefit from working with him to try and get the most out of him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of room for improvement. I I think he needs to improve his technique and his strength. Uh, Pro football focus gave him a 57.1 grade. He's got a 71 Madden rating. Moving on to Greg Robinson, 59.6 pro football focus rating. And honestly, Andy, I think he really made a difference in the second half of the year when he was inserted as a left tackle. 
he had a huge difference. In he was a high draft pick, wasn't he? Like top five Two overall with the Rams. He just never really seemed to to pan out, but maybe he found something here in Cleveland. He did a good job for sure. Second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one major disappointment on the line, and this is this was one pick that I, I kind of questioned of Dorsey's Austin Corbett. He, he really didn't play. He was the first pick overall in the second round. Yeah, that was Dorsey's probably only bad pick. I guess guess you can't hit them all. And, and I mean, um, there's doesn't mean that he can't develop later on. But, I mean, you've got two of the top five guards in the NFL. And I think they were thinking about putting Batonio out to tackle at the time, probably. But, I mean, I don't know why Dorsey didn't draft a tackle there or a receiver. I mean, Cortland Sutton was still on the board at the time. That would have been really nice to have Cortland Sutton. I think that the reason that Dorsey went Austin Corbett was because in college he, he moved around a lot. He wasn't one position. He had, he had moved a few times, and he had experience playing other positions. And I think there were a lot of questions about the offensive line going into the season, so they wanted somebody versatile. But it just didn't end up really working out. Yeah, unfortunately not for him. But hopefully he develops and the Browns continue – to develop good position players, and most importantly, freaking win. Seven's not going to cut it next year for me. I was looking at their – they don't have the schedule released yet, but they have who they're, who they're playing. Yeah. We'll have to do a schedule game. Once we'll that we'll play a schedule game. I don't want to play it now. It's too – I don't want to do it before no, free so agency, I'm, before no, the draft. No, exactly. A lot of things yeah. are going to change. But just, just looking at who they're playing right now and how the teams are right now, I mean – I see a lot of wins, Mike. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I like wins. Well, Andy, let's uh, in, our, in our remaining minutes here, let's go to a quick mock draft. So uh, do you have the, uh, the mock draft up? I do. So why don't we just alternate back and forth? What do we think about the picks? You know, obviously we don't know a ton about a lot of these guys because, frankly, Andy, a lot of them are – Tackles and linemen, and I don't spend a lot of time studying tackles and linemen. Either do I. So Arizona Cardinals pro football focus mock draft has Nick Bosa, Ohio State, edge rusher, best pass rusher in the draft, going number one to the cards. I think Bosa is a very good player, and if he's anything like his big brother Joey, He's going to be a really good player. We'll see. I, I heard something that Playboy Cliff really likes Kyler Murray. So would he yeah, really be willing yeah. to trade Josh Rosen after one year for Kyler Murray? Well, I, I heard that that rumor was uh, was quashed, basically. He said it when he was still coaching in college that he would take Kyler Murray with the number one pick in the draft. But gotcha. they will be keeping Josh Rosen. So pencil – Nick Bosa in for the cards. With the second pick, the San Francisco 49ers are taking Keenan Williams, who is a uh, interior defensive lineman from Alabama. So really anybody, Mike, on the defensive line from Alabama seems to do pretty well. I don't really know much about him, but. He's got the number one grade against the run and a number two grade in the draft pass rushing, obviously second to Bosa. Man, I would love to see him anchor the Browns defensive line. Uh, but the Browns are not picking high, Andy, because we won games. 
Uh, the third pick, the Jets are going to go tackle Jonah Williams out of Alabama. Then the Oakland Raiders, Mike, shocker. The Oakland Raiders are taking a edge rusher, Josh Allen from Kentucky, after John Gruden traded away one of the best in the league in Khalil say, Mack. They just get rid of one of those, huh? So, well, they have, you know, they have you know those are hard to find, Mike. You know those are hard to find, as he so famously said after he traded Khalil Mack. Yeah. What an idiot. Well, I think they're, uh, they're tanking to be trying to peak when they move to Vegas. <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks, DeAndre Baker, first cornerback off the board, has a very high grade by pro football focus. I've seen mock drafts where this guy falls and he actually goes to the Browns. Hmm. I wouldn't mind. This guy's a good player. And I wouldn't mind, honestly, if the Browns ended up taking another cornerback. Wouldn't either. Be fine with that. So. Best player available. What, what I'm really excited about, Andy, is the sixth pick with the Giants. I'm, they're probably going to go quarterback. In pro they football have to. focus, they have, they have to. to. Whether it's I mean, Haskins or Murray. Eli is, is dying. It's, they need a quarterback bad. They should have went quarterback last year. But it has them taking Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. And, I mean, the guy is the hobbit, Mike. He's only, what, 5'8", five, 5'9"? Five, no. Very fast. He's like 5'11". No, he's, he's not. not. A hobbit. He's not. He is not 5'11". He is not. Well, we'll, like, see, we'll see what he grades out at, at the combine. There combine. was a, a guy from the Oakland Raiders, or Oakland Athletics, right? That's where he was, he was drafted, I believe, yeah. for baseball. He was with him during the tryout, and he said this guy is at best five foot nine, with wow. like shoes and socks on. Well, we'll see. Jacksonville Jaguars, Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State. That'll be an interesting pick. Obviously, the Jaguars need a quarterback, and the more quarterbacks that go before the Browns pick, the better, because we don't need one. That's right. That's right. Take all the quarterbacks you need. Detroit, it has them taking Greedy Williams, who's a cornerback from LSU. Nine, Bills, Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Mississippi State. Broncos, number 10, Byron Murphy, a cornerback from Washington. The Bengals, 11, Dalton Risner, offensive tackle, Kansas State. Packers are taking a safety, Deonta Thomas from Alabama. They like their Alabama safeties. Who doesn't? Miami Dolphins, Dexter Lawrence, defensive lineman out of Clemson, big 340-pounder. Number 14 is a guy that I'm very intrigued in. And if he falls to the Browns, I would take him in a heartbeat. That's Ed Oliver yeah. from Houston. Set out this year to because he knew he was going to the draft, but he's a very talented player. Absolutely. 15, Washington Redskins, J.J. Arcija Whiteside, wide receiver out of Stanford, somebody I've never heard of before, and I was never heard of him in my there, life. But hey, Pro Football Focus knows what they're doing. Panthers at number sixteen are taking Brian Burns, who's another edge rusher from Florida State. Yeah, and the seventeenth pick with the Browns, Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle out of Clemson. The Browns need to make more strides on their defensive line. Wilkins added to his game in 2018 as he ranked third with a 91 pass rush grade to go with an exceptional play against the run. So that's just the guy. That's just what we need. That the Browns need. Well, Andy, we are going to wrap up the podcast here for episode number two. Once again, follow us on Twitter at Rally Possum Pod, and we hope that everybody has a good week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace.